This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The Shield Cast. Agents Assemble, this is episode number eight of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Agent Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team. First up, he is an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow. Hello, all. How are you doing, Rod? Welcome to the Hub. Yeah, welcome to the hub. Uh, next up, she is a writer for RealVixen.com and a member of the Television Critics Association, Agent Gwen Reyes. Hi, everybody. Hey, Gwen. And finally, he is the film channel editor at CraveOnline.com and a co-host of the B-Movies podcast, Agent William Bibbs Bibiani. Winner Fitz and Simmons gonna fuck! <laughs> <laughs> That's the question on everyone's mind right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, together we are the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Uh, we strive to take both an enthusiastic and a critical approach to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so there's a little something for everyone. And today I'm very pleased to introduce a special guest. He is the TV editor of the AV Club and the host of the podcast TV on the Internet. He's also a contributor to the LA Times and Grantland, Todd Vanderwerf. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hello. We're so glad to have you on today, Todd. Uh, I know you're not writing weekly about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the AV Club. Uh, you've got... Oliver Sava and David Sims doing that. Uh, we brought on Oliver a few weeks ago, uh, but I'm really glad that you're here to join us today. Uh, what what shows are you covering this season for the AV Club? Um, uh, oh dear God, uh, I'm covering uh, Mom of all things and uh, uh, Homeland and American Horror Story, uh, Parenthood and Borgen, which is a Danish political drama you haven't heard of probably. I have heard of it, awesome. but I have not had time to check it out yet. I've heard really good things about it. It's a good show. It's a good show, yeah. Yeah, well, well you obviously watch a lot of TV, and we're very uh, privileged to have you on the show today to talk about where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fits in the grand scheme of uh, television, because Marvel seems to be really switching things up, and, and they're trying to just expand their universe as much as possible. They recently announced that they've got four new shows headed to Netflix, which which kind of boggled my mind, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. But uh, but let's go ahead and, and dive into the show. Uh, as always, our listeners can email the agents of SHIELDcast at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all of our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That really helps us out a lot. And if you leave us a good review, we will make you an honorary member of the SHIELDcast. Uh, we also have a new voicemail line at 336-793-2509, so you can call and leave us some feedback there. Again, that's 336 uh, this show is being recorded live at Spreecast.com. To receive updates on when we'll be recording live, you can search for Agents of Shieldcast with all the periods in there, and uh, you can sign up to be alerted for whenever we do a live recording. Uh, you can also follow any of us on Twitter for information on when we'll be going live, and we'll give out those handles at the end of the show. 
All right, let's talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, today we're going to be discussing Episode 7 of Season 1 of the show. The episode is titled The Hub. It was written by Rafe Judkins and Lauren LaFranc and directed by Bobby Roth. Agent Gwen Reyes, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a quick synopsis of what happened in this episode? Well, in uh, last night's episode of Agents uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Hub, Coulson works the system to save Ward and Fitz when they are sent on a Level 8 classified mission. Yes, we we finally got to see what's going on with Level 8 and and the hub uh, this episode. Agent Todd Vanderwerf, I'm going to start with you. Um, As a TV critic who watches a lot of TV, uh, what are your thoughts on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a whole, and what did you think of last night's episode? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is this show that every time you mention it, like there's a certain significant portion of the internet that's like, oh, I don't watch that show, as if they're like having victory over some great foe or something. (laughs) I don't think it's that bad. I I think it's promising. I think pretty much every episode has moved a slight step in the right direction. At the same time, I I think it has a lot of significant problems, and I don't think it's quite gotten to where it wants to be, or particularly where I would want it to be for a show that has even minor, you know, Joss Whedon involvement. But I I liked I, I liked elements of last night's episode while thinking I think that the mission of the week was was kind of dull. Um, there there are much better like action adventure uh, shows on the air than this one, and and that's. That's where I think it's really struggling. Like, if you watch Person of Interest on CBS two hours later, which, like, only my in-laws do, um, that is a much better executed uh, action-adventure show on that level of having, you know, guys punching guys in the face. Uh, This show has had maybe one action sequence that's hung with me, and it wasn't in last night's episode. Which uh, action sequence was it? I liked when Ward went out of the plane after Simmons. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't something I'd never seen before, but it was definitely something that you don't see on TV every week, you know? Right, right. Agent Bibbs, what did you think of last night's episode? It was all right. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's what you say every week. <laughs> Until it's more than all right, that's that's what you'll get from me. No, that was a fun episode. I thought, uh, uh, again, we're at the point now where everyone in the show actually has stuff to do, uh, and they're even able to play with the format a bit when Sky is like, no, this is the part where we all stand around the big table and give exposition. You know, like when she's confused about the whole level eight thing. Uh, I am amazed and baffled that a woman as seemingly intelligent as Sky can't grasp the idea of classified information. Like, it's not that she like it, it's for a long time. It's not even that she doesn't approve. It's that she doesn't get it. And I, I can't help but feel like, you know, it's like, well, audiences won't understand the idea of a, of level eight versus level seven. Like, no, I, I got the gist of it. And I've also, uh, another good drinking game for, for Agents of Shield would be trust the system. You'll get trashed in this episode. <laughs> they really overstate a lot of their themes, but I had a lot of fun with this episode. Everyone, uh, had stuff to do that was entertaining. The stuff with Warden Fitz was a little heavy handed, but at the very least it was, positive and uh you know there was it, it moved along it went from interesting situation to interesting situation so yeah it was fun it was fun i i, I didn't love it uh but it was fun uh agent Gwen reyes what did you think um i kind of have to second what everybody else has said but i really enjoyed the beginning of it i thought the humor was really really solid like i especially love the part where fitz was trying to get the cart through the door those scenes are really good and i'm really excited that we're seeing a lot more of the humor and the comedic elements and getting to see a little bit more of Fitz and Simmons and Sky and 
And and I kind of saw that the three of them, even though it was more about Fitz and Ward, the three of them were really kind of starting to shine a little bit more in this one. Uh, Rod, would you agree with that? Well, actually, I'm, I'm way more up on this episode than everybody else. Um, I thought it was one of my favorites of the season, if not my favorite of the season, because characters have been established and now they're starting to play with, mm-hmm. you know, our predictions and, you know, their goals and their wants and things of that nature. And also uh, the comedy beats on this episode just really hit with me. And uh, I was laughing a lot. And I felt like they packed a lot of it in because I want to say 45 minutes in, is when they decide like to go rescue the guys. And I was like, man, it feels like a lot of stuff just happened and it should already be the end of the episode in a good way where it's like, oh, so much stuff happened. I, you know, please just keep going. So I, I actually really enjoyed this episode a lot. It was way more than okay for me. I actually agree with you, Rod. I, I really, really liked last night's episode. And it finally felt to me like the show, they finally have a grasp on what they want it to be. And and, and, and Todd, I, th- I think you're right when you say that the missions of the week are at times underwhelming. But I'm okay with that if they can make the characters and their relationships a little bit more memorable, a little bit more fun. And if, if the characters really pop off the screen, then I'm okay if the if the plot and the, the little action beats are feel generic. And I think that that's what they did last night pretty well. It, it felt like you had a lot of focus on just different characters, how they relate to each other, where it's Colson and May or uh, Fitz and Ward. I liked all the character beats and they did a good job of balancing uh, just nice character moments with some of the more overarching plot lines that they have planted the seeds to start developing, whether it's uh, Sky and her parents or whatever's going on with Agent Coulson. And, and overall, I just thought it was a, a really nice balance of elements. So I'm really excited to see where the show uh, goes from here. I, I think they finally seem to have found their footing after a rocky start. Uh, but let's dive into some specifics. Um, Bibbs, you've brought up before on the show how you weren't a fan of the flat lighting yeah early in the season just the production design of this episode really blew me away that opening scene there's so many shadows it felt almost like a completely different show to me and then when they go to the hub i I remember in an earlier episode uh, i think when we discussed the pilot you said that you felt like shield it it didn't feel like a real place there weren't enough extras there weren't enough just random people in the background yeah it didn't feel plausibly large and i'll give and i I was gonna say i'm gonna give this episode that that Shield expanded a bit as an organization, at least visually, in this episode. It looked good. I I really like the dynamic of working with various higher ups, and you know, ah, now Coulson's team are the Maverick Renegades. Yes, they play by their own rules. Yes, that's because uh, I haven't seen that before ever. <laughs> but uh, it was nice to see that. Um, I would like to go back real fast to something you were just saying about how you're okay if the missions are underwhelming so long as the characters aren't why do we have to settle for that okay that's that's a fair point that's a fair point i mean ideally we'd be able to have both yeah that's that that's basically my only counter argument to that but no uh no there's a lot of of stuff that i hope we see more of from this episode we i liked seeing uh more of the uh the shield infrastructure and um Agent Hand, who is like the most important character we've seen on the series, the most like powerful shield figure aside from Nick Fury. And she has some sassy red highlights. I got to tell you, those were gorgeous. <laughs> I didn't know you those were OK. I didn't know you're allowed uh, to, to be that sassy. Well, you can if you're level eight. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Arr. 
Yes, uh, Victoria Hands played by Saffron Burroughs, who I know has been in a lot of shows. I'm not sure if I've ever seen her before. She was in Deep Blue Sea. Oh, Deep Blue Sea. The sharks got smarter. Yeah. <laughs> Bromsberger's Dracula. Didn't she play Layla? Uh, I think that might. I think that might have been her. Wasn't she in Gladiator as well? Was that her in Gladiator? Uh, I don't think so. The I'm sister not... Joaquin Phoenix wanted to have sex with. No. Oh no. Uh, I, I I don't think so. Uh, Todd, you you watch a ton of television. Where have we seen Saffron Burroughs? If anyone knows, it's you. I I, could, I honestly I honestly couldn't tell you because uh, uh, she always has sort of sort of glanced off me like a stone. I know I've seen her oh, before. Okay. I couldn't pinpoint where. Um, I, I my primary memory of her last night, and I thought I thought she was generally enjoyable in the ep- but it was that she was trying to. She was trying to work so hard on her accent that, like, the rest of the performance was just kind of there. But they, I, I found her interesting, and I, I liked her character concept. So she was interesting to me, I guess I'm saying. According to IMDb, she's been on Boston Legal and everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything. That lady stays working. She was also in Circle of Friends. She was in Troy, not Gladiator. That's where I got confused. Okay. okay. Yeah, nobody remembers that. But yeah, Deep Blue Sea, uh, I do remember because I believe she had to undress to fight a shark. Deep Blue Sea is <laughs> Deep Blue Sea is the highlight of her career. Like that is the mm-hmm. top. The top <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. You no, say I, that like that's damning with faint praise. Okay. I love me some Deep Blue Sea. None of those sharks went on to work again. So uh-huh. yeah, but Samuel L. Jackson. He, now he's he's back in the Marvel universe too. Yeah. If if Samuel L. Jackson appeared in an episode of Agents of Shield and was eaten by a shark, I would just start giving the show A pluses. <laughs> that should happen in every episode. That should be like Kenny dying. That should just happen in every single episode. <laughs> well, well, do any of you have any thoughts on just the production design of the show? I, I really did think last night's episodes just felt completely different to me. And I don't know if it was just the lighting or, or what it was. They got out of the same like three rooms on that plane and the uh, the location shooting that they did didn't just look like a studio backlot or Griffith Park. Yeah. So, right. you know, it just, it looked bigger. It looked more appropriate. S.H.I.E.L.D. was a bustling center of activity with a lot of screens with very important looking things on them. And uh, yeah, it felt... It felt real in a way that the show often doesn't. The show often has this slightly uh, either cheap or or just underpopulated feel to it. it I've, I've said before, sometimes the show feels like a slightly better written sci-fi channel original movie huh. uh, than an actual real show. This one looked a lot more expensive. It looks like yeah. it had an actual budget. I wonder if it's because they actually got like, you know, all the episodes now and more of a budget under their belts as they know they're going to be extended for a full season now and all that stuff. Maybe. They did yeah. take that week off, and um, both the last two episodes have actually seemed to relate to each other way more than the previous episodes related to each other. I wonder if they're just kind of hitting their stride. And I also did think it looked great. One of my favorite shots was actually just a still, not really a still shot, but just the busyness of the hub a top-down view of, you know, the plane in the hub as people kind of bustled around. <laughs> like, that was just one of my favorite shots because I was like, oh, look, people and scope, you know? Mm-hmm. I was really distracted by that shot because, yeah, it's this big circular room where you put the plane and they had a very specific marking of of, where, of yellow lines of where the plane goes, <laughs> you know? Like, there's only so many places. That, what, are they going to have it leaning against the wall? Like, there's only so many places that plane can go in the room. You have to trust the system. <laughs> 
I just would have liked it if the plane was slightly askew from it in some way because because Coulson's team doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> that would have been great. They never colors outside the lines, man. <laughs> no, but she doesn't kowtow to traditional standards of tank tops. <laughs> what is up with her tank top? It looks like she's wearing a Battlestar Galactica tank top under a regular tank top. Like I, I've been trying to figure this out for many episodes. I can't tell if that's one tank top that's just that just completely went insane, or if she's wearing two at the same time, and if so, why? Melinda May doesn't have time for anyone's fashion rules. She does what she wants. <laughs> the only thing is, they better start selling that tank top. In in regards to the to the production design, um, I was I like I was watching this episode and I was I was impressed in a good way where I was asking how how did they possibly shoot this because it, it did in places look like they'd flown everybody to like Siberia and had them you know stand around in a giant icy snowfield to shout some dialogue at each other um, and that's you know that that certainly is the sort of thing um, that I think the show wants to do on a weekly basis. Um, but, but hasn't been able to, um, I keep thinking of like when they filmed in Sweden for like 30 seconds and, and just wondering like how much of the budget has been going into these sorts of location things. And if maybe they've just figured out better how to fake that, uh, Mm. somewhere in LA, like, I don't know where you go in LA to look like Siberia, but they found it and it worked. Well, there's uh, you can go to Mount Whitney. Oh Yeah. True. You know, like Cecil B. DeMille said, there's nothing you can shoot that you can't shoot. There's no location you could possibly need that you can't find in California. So they, 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 I think they have people on top of it, but sometimes they do fake it better than others. And this episode looked really plausible. Like this was a really good one. There was also just, it felt like a lot of sets too. Mm-hmm. Like there were like just a lot of locations too, as opposed to just, uh, we're going to break into this building and then you kind of go directly to the building or we're going to break into this house and you go directly into the house. This was more like, we're going to go by this Russian bar, then we're going to get stuck in a sewer, then we're going to try to storm this base, and meanwhile you got, you know, the hub, like, it just felt like it was kind of all over the place in a, in a, in a good way for me. Right, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Well, after that opening, uh, we, we meet Agent Shaw, who is an undercover S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, posing as an interrogator, and they do that total recall thing where they pull stuff out of his nose... I thought that that was pretty cool. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> there are worse orifices that that could have been. Uh. Hey, did you guys notice that once again, Simmons like enjoy the enjoys the morbid kind of stuff? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Fitz has the natural reaction to somebody pulling something out of his nose. Oh, God, it was horrifying. <laughs> I just found myself wondering, how did he get it in there? I don't even want to think about it. Uh, same way it came out, Andrew. I know. And it, uh, uh, a lot of lube. Yeah, not even the same way it came out. He had to put it in by himself. Yeah, right. You would think that if nothing else, that his dialogue before that scene would have sounded like really nasal, like his sinuses <laughs> were clogged. Like that actually would have been a really funny gag. It's like, okay, now do I have to breathe? <laughs> oh my God, I feel so much better. Ah, thank you, Simmons. The intel you recovered from Agent Shaw tells us that a separatist group from South Ossetia has built a weapon called Esbitumyut. The overkill device? A little dramatic for my taste. I imagine something was lost in translation. We've intercepted chatter that tells us they plan to use the weapon in the next 24 hours to declare their independence from Russia and Georgia. We believe it creates sonic vibrations powerful enough to trigger weapons from a great distance. 
anything from the missiles on a helicopter to a nuclear warhead sitting in its silo. So if we move on them, they could use our own weapons against us. Exactly. That's why I need a two-man team to sneak across the disputed border undetected, break into the separatist stronghold, and disable the weapon in the next 24 hours. And you have two people who fit my bill. Not a problem. I was in Georgia during the incursion in 08. I still have contacts on the South Ossetian border. And you'll have to use them. But we don't have specs on the device, so I need someone on the team who can identify and dismantle it on site. After that whole opening where they establish what the intel is, I mean, it's, a, it's as you said, Todd, it's a very standard plot. There's something called the overkill device that some people are going to use, and it disables weapons, and it's just an excuse to get them to the hub really, uh, to, to figure out what's going on. And I, I really liked everything at the Hub. Uh, we also have an appearance by Maximiliano Hernandez as Agent Sitwell. I keep seeing this guy pop up, and I'm so glad that he's he just keeps getting a lot of work these days, it seems. Wasn't he on uh, The Americans? He was. Todd, and it, I, I, it just seems like so many shows lately, he'll pop up and I'll be like, oh yeah. He's really good, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what did you guys think of everything with uh, The Hub and Agent Sitwell in this episode? They're, once again, they tied it back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and those Marvel yeah. one-shots from the DVDs where, where, where his character and a, uh, Agent Blake from last week first appeared. I hope he's a legitimate romantic competition for Simmons' heart. <laughs> he's going to show up and be like, yeah, you shot me. Uh, you owe me dinner. You know, and it's going to be like, and Fitz is going to be pissed and Ward is going to be conflicted. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah, I would love that actually. Cause that was the first thing when he's like, what are you doing here? And why are you wearing clothes? Like that's like where I thought they were going to go. I knew there was like, I thought it was going to be like all romantic and stuff. Like, you know, I've had a crush on you ever since that incident in Panama or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Um, she also did give him an end cause she complimented his head shape. So mm-hmm. <laughs> fellas, we know what that means. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. No one's ever said that. I like the use of the hub. Um, I think that the show has been perhaps a little too careful in how it's going to branch out its universe because it doesn't want to like lose anybody along the way without having sort of realized that the way to not lose anybody in TV nowadays is to just go ahead at a very breakneck pace. I think that that sort of calculation paid off in the hub. It legitimately feels big and important uh, and exciting in a way that the the plane is starting to feel feel familiar and uh, like home base. Uh, So I I thought that that sort of gamble, I don't know if I'd say it entirely paid off because of some of the earlier episodes felt a little stale, but it was, I think it ended up being uh, a creative choice that, that worked more or less. It reminds me a lot of uh, in Buffy when they had the council of uh, the guys who watch Buffy where they don't need to go back here all the time. But this will be a reliable source to go back to to kind of be like, what do these guys think about the, you know, loose cannon team of of Coulson's guys like and, you know, where are they getting their orders from? Well, you know, they're probably coming from the hub now where, you know, who's going to decide their fate. Ultimately, it's going to be things that happen in the hub. So they kind of did. I think Bib said it like maybe two or three weeks at this point, but they needed to establish kind of this boss overseer type of uh thing for the show because we just kept get, hearing that they oh these guys are loose cannons they can do what they want but if you don't establish the norm then what are they really rebelling against and uh i, th- I think this episode did a good job of setting it up mm. s- specifically with the whole 
trust the system that they kept like drilling in where it's like, yeah, shield does not do things the way Colson does things. You know, I, I, you brought up Buffy. Actually, I think the more apt Buffy comparison might even be the initiative. Uh, except now they have enough money to show it and, and not make it look like a bunch of guys like standing around an office building. But, uh, yeah, that, that conflict between, you know, ah, missions and military, blah, and this one girl who won't cow, who won't like, follow their rules and it just made me realize that ward is basically riley who got his own show (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not entirely sure how i feel about that yeah i liked riley within the universe of buffy um he's not my favorite character or anything but i liked i liked like what he symbolized in a lot of ways within that show um but yeah i I don't really want to watch a show where he's one of the three main characters I would love to see Riley and his wife go off on adventures and talk about his uh, unrequited love with Buffy. <laughs> Crossover. Oh, Riley is Ward's brother. <laughs> oh, my God. I just got that. Oh, my God. That's genius. Oh, please let that happen. That'd be so cool. Uh, we talking a lot about the hub. Uh, did uh, Rod, you read the comics. Uh, did, did you get a little mini freak out when uh, Simmons said, oh, you should see the Triskelion? Yeah, I, I did. I actually freaked out more at, I uh, forgot to say this when you guys brought it up, but at, at Victoria Hand being involved at all. Because yeah. she is a backstabbing traitorous motherfucker. <laughs> like, just introducing her could lead to so much fuckery in the next season or so. <laughs> because in the book, she changes allegiances like every week. And it was just like, you know, whose side is she on? She At one point, I think she was like a triple undercover agent. So I'm glad they brought in those like kind of nods towards the comic book stuff. I want there to be an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode called So Much Fuckery. <laughs> so you're saying, Rod, that basically she could end up being the Loki of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She could, man. She is, wow, just traitorous, dog. I read those books and I still don't really know if she uh, was ever really with the good guys, even though they say she was. Uh, you brought up how they're continuing to develop this whole idea of it's Coulson's team against S.H.I.E.L.D. I like how they're they're continuing to build up that conflict because we talked about in the early episodes how that idea of you know maybe shield is the man maybe shield is the evil government institution we shouldn't trust how how the seeds were planted there in the first few episodes and now it seems like they're moving towards a split between colson's team and shield and i think that that's going to be really really uh exciting if, if that happens um and uh you brought up a few episodes ago Bibbs, that you wanted a character like Agent Blake to come on and be the boss, be the guy who can pose obstacles uh, to their team. I like how this episode took that even further, and now we've got Sitwell, we've got uh, Victoria Hand. I feel like they're building up S.H.I.E.L.D. as a whole now to be the obstacle that they're going to have to overcome. No, no, yeah, I, I think Rod nailed it when he just talked about it before. We we can't get any sense of why Colson's team is special if we don't see why everyone else isn't. You know, if we don't see the way that everyone else operates, it really won't matter how Colson's team operates because, you know, in a vacuum, if that's the norm of Shield, Shield seemed like kind of a crappy organization. Mm-hmm. But now that it's they're starting to open it up a bit and show like the inner workings a little bit more, and I really hope it becomes a regular thing, even if we just cut back to it once in a while. I think it will do the show a real service overall. So yeah, I, this is what I wanted. I just hope they keep doing it. 
I like the idea of Shield becoming the villain, which it really seems it really seems to me they're going to be headed that way this season. Um, and I like the idea of this conflict between uh, Shield and the Agent Coulson's team over like how these these things should be handled. I just wonder if it's a little early, like it's a little early in the season's series run to do that in like season one to have that conflict come in season one because then season two is is like what they're the A team. Well, you know, their hands might have been tied. Have you seen the uh, trailer and the build-up to Captain America, yeah. the Winter Soldier? It looks like they're setting S.H.I.E.L.D. up in that film to be, if not the bad guy, then at least have bad guys in it. And the show might be forced to deal with that. So maybe that's just, might that, I'm speculating, but that might just be a sacrifice they've had to make because they're attached to all of these movies that are coming out and, and take priority for Marvel. And that, that doesn't actually come out till later, I mean, well, early next year. April 4th. Yeah, so we still have some some episodes, like, distance between those, but that would be a really good kind of cliffhanger ending to season one. Right. Oh, and now these these motherfuckers are rogue because, you know, they don't want to... And that's, that's like, an interesting thing for next season to kind of have to rebuild their whole trust with S.H.I.E.L.D. and also maybe go rogue for a while, and that'd be kind of an interesting place to go to. Yeah, because April won't probably, I presume, wouldn't be near the end of the season, but the season would be winding down. It would definitely be in, like, its last third or quarter, yeah. uh, and that would be a good time to explore it and make, give it a big turn. And if you look at the tie-in to Thor, they mm-hmm. waited, like, two weeks after that was out to really do yeah. their tie-in episode. So, you know, it could be, you know, halfway through April, end of April or something, <sighs> get our... Tie-in episode. And that tie-in looks lame, though. That actually doesn't give me any confidence. Yeah, it did. It was like, she like, picked up a stick. I know, right? Well, like, who, who, has everyone seen Thor the Dark World by now? Yes. I uh, have. Yes. Okay, minor spoiler. Why weren't they fighting the monster? <laughs> it was yeah. th- They left that there. I was like, oh, Shield's going to fight that monster. Well, that'd be kind of fun. Like, you could, like, have him, like, trapped in, like, a big room. You know, you didn't even have to film it all the time. It could just be, like, thing, like, out in the corridor, like an alien or something. That could have been a lot of fun. And instead, big angry stick. Yeah. Although, I won't lie. In that trailer, when they showed uh, Ward beating everybody's ass and pulling out that knife, I did get excited. <laughs> uh, well, well you, you guys bring up a good point just about how the show connects with the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe and how maybe... S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to end up becoming the villain, and, you know, is that appropriate for the show right now, or are they just having to get to that sooner because that's what's going to happen for the movies? And that's a really interesting line to walk. Todd, have you ever seen a show have to handle that kind of balance between being its own show and being good on its own, but also trying to uh, fit in with this other larger mythology in another medium? In another medium, uh, no, not really. I mean, there have always been sort of hints of, of various properties trying to do this, like the X-Files was going to sort of become a movie franchise and a TV franchise simultaneously, and it didn't happen. I guess the closest thing we have would be all the iterations of Star Trek, but, mm. you know, like Next Generation was in no way bound by what the movies with the original cast were doing, because Next Generation was deliberately set many years later, so that they didn't mm. have to necessarily worry about you know what what the movie continuity was up to, um, so this is a, this is a very different beast, um, and it's it's certainly probably going to take some time to sort itself out in that regard. Just in terms of here's who's in what version of the story, and here's who's in the other version of the story, and here's how they 
how they pursue different views of the same thing. But in that regard, you know, we were talking about the monster from Thor, and I, I was sort of excited by that idea, too, before I, I sort of realized it wouldn't be happening. But I do wonder if in some ways this show isn't hampered by having it does have a fairly large budget even if you can't always see it on screen and i sometimes wonder if thinking about you know some of the roots of the people who made this show in very low budget television if this if this show wouldn't feel a little more creative and exciting if they didn't have that money to fall back on if they were fighting the thor monster but the thor monster was just like a stagehand banging on the door and they were all standing <laughs> in this empty warehouse that's what i was kind of hoping it would be yeah. Honestly, and that, yeah, that's an interesting point actually, because when you look at the ways that, like the X Files, you 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 write up the X Files in a different context, but like the X Files, it took place at the FBI. It was a big organization, but it for various reasons, because of the way that they presented the FBI, it never felt small. Yeah, it always felt like it, it's a big organization, and these guys are in a closet in the in the corner of it. I will say one thing uh, in regards to uh, shows that are connected to larger entities. You brought up Star Trek, and and that's valid in the way that Next Generation wasn't connected to the to the films. However, uh, towards the end of the Next Generation movies, uh, Deep Space Nine was still on, and they always had to justify why Worf wasn't on it. <laughs> and it's especially bad in, in I think in Insurrection when it's like, oh hey Worf, where are you here? Well, I and then they just interrupt him and they never get and they never explain it. <laughs> like they just like they. They couldn't figure out a way. Like, it made sense in First Contact. It made sense in Nemesis. And they just couldn't bother in Insurrection. They just tried to ride around it as much as they could. That's very true. I I'd forgotten about that. I kind of like that they have this money. Um, and so far, I feel like it's being put to good use. I'm enjoying the uh, special effects budget that they're using because they're, they're utilizing it. And um, that, you know, and I hope they continue to, you know, put the money on the screen, so to speak. Because I feel like they probably could have went and maybe got bigger name actors and stuff like that. But um, I like that they're, you know, putting in a special effects because that's one of the reasons I tune in. Because it's essentially a science fiction show on regular TV, which uh, has not always done well and have not always had the best budgets. Right, right. That's a good point. Todd, as, as a longtime TV critic, just looking at how S.H.I.E.L.D is functioning as a small piece within this larger Marvel puzzle. Are you excited by that at all? If it's if it seems like that's where TV could be headed, or do you think this is just a unique situation? I feel like a lot of comic book fans are pretty excited about it, but when it comes to TV critics, I've been sensing a little bit of skepticism. Well, uh, listen, if this leads to uh, Richard Linklater, Julie Delby, and uh, Ethan Hawke making a Before Sunrise series like oh. that airs every week, then yes, absolutely, I'm all in. Um, but I, I am a little skeptical of so much of TV is sort of improvisation on the fly and coming up with just great ideas in the middle of nowhere at three in the morning in the writer's room. And that seems sort of antithetical to a lot of TV critics, including myself, to like protecting a franchise. You know, like Disney, having seen the success of this, wants to do a Star Wars show. They've always wanted to do a Star Wars show. George Lucas has always wanted to do a Star Wars show. But, you know, it's just one of those things where so much of TV is about coming up with these these things that that wouldn't necessarily fly in the face of a larger franchise like if if the star wars show wanted to kill yoda for some reason like they can't kill yoda even if that's like the best story decision and it's sort of the same thing here you can't have nick fury show up and get eaten by a shark 
though that would be awesome because <laughs> they need him to appear in the future movies. And I, I think it creates like a very limited yard for the show to play in. And I understand like why, why comics fans are, are excited by it, but like the comics universe, which I, I know a very little bit, like that is its own thing. Like they can have their own experiments in that world. It's not like Marvel has set up a separate TV universe, like like DC sort of has with Arrow, which I, I think is a, is a superior show to this one, though it has obviously a lot more shows under its belt. This plays into the cinematic universe, and to that regard, it's always going to feel sort of like a kid brother. Uh, who who has to play in his big brother's his big brother's uh, footsteps? Sort of the Liam Hemsworth to Chris Hemsworth, if you will. Oh. <laughs> okay, don't say anything we can't take back. <laughs> you know, the other thing though is like I feel like comic books lend themselves to this because it's what comic books do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's crossover in there. It's so incestuous. There's seven versions of Wolverine and he's in seven different comic books and all this stuff. So if anyone could do it, I feel like it would have to be a comic book related franchise. Uh, uh, Star Wars could do it too. A lot of people didn't watch uh, the Clone Wars that came on Cartoon Network. For a reason. No, I loved it. It was actually a really good show. It was really good. I like that show Uh, too. Yeah, and it really and it really grew darker as its audience grew older. So um, by the end when they were like doing double decapitations in episodes, I was like, can kids still watch this? <laughs> but I feel like there's room here also because they do have the safety net of these movies and stuff. The real question is, what happens if the show drops off in quality? Then it's like, well, they still have this budget. They still have these movies coming out. What happens if does the show go away? Well, we'll stop doing this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Never. Even then, we'll still do it. No! And I'm going to get through. (laughs) We're committed, guys. We're committed. At least for season one. (laughs) But you know what? It's a thing, though. It's like any franchise. Even if they're creating it themselves, even if it is an original franchise, you know, especially, you know, once once a company gets involved and starts making money off of it, they want to keep it going. Like, ABC, like, reportedly wanted to keep Lost going forever. You know, like they're like, do we have to end this? This is a gold mine for us. They don't want to take a risk with it. They want to find a groove and then they don't want to, if they kill someone off, they only want to kill them off when their contract is up or when they ask for more money. I don't feel like worrying about this show feeling safe is entirely unique to this series. Uh, I think, and, and you know, you have more freedom in a show like The Wire or Treme or Breaking Bad where, you know, working outside the box is part of the appeal. But it's a show that is, frankly, really conventional, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's going to play it safe a lot. I expect Joss Whedon to kill someone off. You know, even I know he's not the main executive producer, but I expect him to just say, just kill someone. Kill someone in the first season, they'll they'll love you for it and hate you for it, and they'll keep, you, it'll keep them talking, and it won't feel as safe. It's not a fair criticism, I don't think, for these shows, because this is kind of the first attempt at this, and people are already, like, really worried, like, what if this becomes a thing? And it's like, well, CSI became a thing. Law and Order became a thing. Uh, Breaking Bad is getting a freaking prequel. Like, yeah, things that make money. People want to do more things in those universes to keep making that money. I would only start to worry about that kind of stuff if the quality dropped to a point where I was like, I don't want any more of these. But right now, it's if this if if DC can do something like this, if uh. You know, I, I believe Marvel just signed a deal with like Netflix. If those are also good properties and interesting watches, then by all means, continue to make good product. Just, just make it good is all, the only thing I care about. All right. Well, we're getting back to this specific episode of the show. Rod, I know you're a big fan of tech. 
and you like seeing cool tech in shows. I will say this episode had what's probably my favorite bit of tech uh, so far, which is the sleeping bag that allows them to sneak into the base. <laughs> There's the two dudes getting cozy in the middle of the road. Yep, yep, and then grabbing onto the truck. I thought that was a nice little moment there. A little Frodo Samwise moment. Lynn <laughs> did say that she was wanted to see a ward fits uh i always i let nothing i love nothing more than two men smuggling <laughs> uh my favorite tech was also in this episode but uh for anyone who's ever played the arkham video games it was that uh the the weapon that makes <laughs> other people's guns stop working oh yeah that yeah. was great I, I I was in love with that the second that they started using it on the bad guys running in the room. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And and also in this episode, we got to see uh, why they call Melinda May the cavalry. And, and Yes. They've been waiting to use that for so long. I thought when we first started doing these episodes, I was like, they're going to blow that wide. <laughs> to tell us like why she's a cavalry and it really was like and uh there's 75 bad guys still left well you know this is nice and then uh she shows up and we find out why she's a cavalry um they also had a spray can that apparently you can spray where someone put a palm print and it, it works again because of science mm-hmm. i just want to talk about how melinda was able to like open up the hatch with like absolutely no force but just like her tiny yes. little body. That was amazing. <laughs> she was just showing off. She wanted Coulson to see that. Did yeah. you see? I want to do that. They need to have that at CrossFit. It's all the Tai Chi that she does. She did all her acting with Tai Chi and eye rolls. It was <laughs> beautiful. And I, I was laughing so hard at Coulson basically talking to himself as she appeared to be annoyed. And yeah. also confirmed that there's no sexual tension there. So you guys all owe me a dollar. Oh, there still is. That confirms nothing. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. It just confirms it that he's got to try a little harder. It just confirms that they wanted to do the one-sided conversation trope, uh, which is uh, old but still effective. And I was fine with it. Did anyone else feel a little condescended to when Sky said Colson's like a robot version of himself? Like they're mocking us? That was a little bit heavy-handed. Yeah, like they're they the yeah they're just being dicks right there. <laughs> she didn't know Colson before this. I know, but no, that's like that's like a line for the audience though. It's like in, it's like at the beginning of that one episode of Veronica Mars, where like one of her old friends has gone missing and says, "Hey, didn't you used to know her?" And she says, "Yeah, we used to be friends a long time ago." And then it just cuts <laughs> to the music like that. It was one of those lines. <laughs> I do like that we're finally Colson has finally started to realize the Tahiti line is his Manchurian candidate. Right. You know? Oh yeah, I, I heard you're in Tahiti. Yeah, it's a magical dot 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 place. Mm-hmm. Mm. He was looking like, why do I keep saying this? <laughs> so I'll be fun. Honestly, I, I want some movement on the Coulson, what happened to him storyline, because I, it feels very repetitive to me at this point. Fortunately, though, it's, it's November sweeps, and that seems like the sort of time when they would offer some movement on it. But I, I'm hoping it happens very soon, because I'm, I'm very close to checking out of it. I was going to say, it better be a good payoff. Yeah. Cannot tease anything this much, and it just be like, oh, actually, I actually I'm went to Tahiti. <laughs> I went to Tahiti. Here's my pictures. I don't even know what I was worried about. But it's like every week they come back at the end of the show and it's like, I had my medical test done. Everything's fine. I called to check out my medical file. They said no. I did, you know, like everything is like something's up here. So it got it has to be great. 
I, again, my theory, though, is that they were overplaying that in the first couple episodes to make sure people came back. It's like, don't you get it? There's a mystery. You love mysteries, right? Everyone loves mysteries. Come back. Please come back. Please come back. Oh, we got renewed. Oh, we better back off on this. Yep. Uh, yeah, we overplayed our hand a little bit. There's no way we can pay this off appropriately. Uh, fuck. Because you know it's going to be a disappointment. If the big reveal is that Coulson is a robot, is that no longer satisfying to you guys as a result because they've built it up so much? Or is, do you think that's still a satisfying reveal? I would still be happy if he's a robot. It wouldn't be a surprise, but it would be satisfying because it would be cool. So what do we think would be the surprise? What do I think would be the surprise? Yeah, like what would be the most surprising thing they could do? He is Loki. Oh my god, <laughs> that would be interesting. I think uh, like a clone would be the least. Like I would not accept. I would think that was the wackest way out of this. Mm. But it would also depend on the reveal because if like he, we find out he's a robot because like he got half his face smacked off. That's mm. way more epic than just if like someone tells us he's a robot, you know. And then his chest opens and it's full of missiles. Yes. <laughs> And they just sort of fire out like that was. And again, that was my thing last week when like Melinda May was like, "Well, open up your shirt." I thought she was going to open up his chest, you know, like in that old. What were those old Disney movies where like there was the uh, the family and their oldest son was a robot? I don't even remember anymore. Not quite. Human. Not quite human. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like not quite human. It'll just open him up, fix something, and then put him back together. And they'd be like, "What were we talking about?" And Melinda May was like, "Nothing." <laughs> Just control out delete on them. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of it will also depend on it, learning why Shield decided to bring him back, yeah. because it seems like he is a special exception to the rule. So, like, if he's just a robot, like that, that could be disappointing. Unless we learn that like Shield had some larger reason for doing it, and then that becomes that becomes a lot more interesting. You know, if it's just like, well, we wanted him to come back because we wanted him to film the spec script we had for New Adventures <laughs> of Old Christine. <laughs> You know, that's not as interesting. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, it can't be too big a deal for why they came back. Otherwise, why would they put him in active duty? I don't know, man. Yeah. You know, you, you're not just going to throw this guy out on missions where he might get killed. You like, know, walk into a room that is just his living brain. Oh. Or like a room of like all Colsons. Yeah. Army of Colsons would be so cool. I think it'd be cool also if it was like time travel. Like they were able, like if his, if they had done the reveal and his body had been clean and not mm -hmm. scarred if they had been like able to have like time traveling and like pull out Coulson from that and then had to erase his memory. That would be But cool. clearly I'm not writing the show. <laughs> like I watched Venture Venture Brothers and there was a season where the sons die and you're like, yeah, that's the most fucked up ending to anything. And they come back later and it's like, oh, no, they we've been replacing these goofy motherfuckers for years and they've been clones <laughs> the whole time. And it was like a really cool reveal because, you know, it's. It, it does kind of give you like a, oh, wow, uh, clones. We got, we're got we dealing with clones now. We can add this element to the show. Well, Todd, you mentioned you're, you're hoping that they hurry up everything with Coulson. How do you feel about the, the subplot they're developing with Skye and her parents? Does that interest you at all? I seem to be way more into Skye than a lot of the internet. I think I agree with something somebody said earlier about how her inability to understand clandestine information, like what it is, it just makes her seem really dumb. It feels like a network note where, like, you know that the people who created the show were like, well, we want to do something about, like, WikiLeaks and how WikiLeaks would fit into the Marvel universe. And, the, like, ABC was like, well, some people don't like WikiLeaks, so maybe we could just make it that she doesn't understand hmm. why some things have to be secret. Like, that's what it feels like to me, and it just makes her seem dumb. 
but I am I am into the mystery of her parentage. I am into you know just sort of her plotline in general and her connections to uh, the Rising Tide and some of these other organizations. And Chloe Bennett is actually sort of like the actress I've I've, I've glommed onto the most in this this whole thing. Though though I have to say that um, I'm not even going to bother pronouncing the name of the guy who plays Fitz. And uh, Elizabeth Henstridge are are also growing on me as well. So I'm I think like I think that she is. She's sort of the aspect of the show that I'm hanging on to right now is the most interesting, which I know like nobody else thinks. You know, here's the thing with, with the mystery of her parents, now that we know that's... I was interested before we knew that it was the mystery of who are my parents. I was totally invested in it because I thought she was going to be a lot more in deep with a, a clandestine organization that wanted to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. and that she'd actually be kind of a bad guy, but not really. Like, if they were going to go more of a 24 uh, mole subplot, like, I thought that's where they might have been leading, and I thought she was way more interesting back then. But now that we know it's her parents, and, like, the whole mystery was something that's intrinsically endearing that we can't blame her for, uh, I feel like she's been neutered a bit. And I'd be a lot more okay. interested in her parents. I would if if I had any sense of why they mattered, other than she doesn't know who they are. Mm. That's the thing. It, it's going to turn out to be Captain America. Like he he woke up, you know, in like 1980, and then he went back to the ice. <laughs> <line>. <laughs> well, um, first of all, she is super hot, so uh, I'm interested for that reason. <laughs> she's got a weird. She's got weird lips. Has anyone else noticed that? Is anyone else you just kind of they disappear when she's thinking like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't spend that much time looking at Sky. I have. Um, but yeah, she's super hot, so that's cool. Then she also, um, like, I noticed last this episode that I kind of was like, oh, I get why you have to be annoying because if it wasn't for her asking these questions, I guess a lot of stuff would just kind of be left up to assumption, uh, which can be good and bad. But like her little showdown with Colson did kind of bring some light to his character. And then, you know, also she does bring that untrustworthy element. Like even in this episode where she ultimately is the person responsible for saving Fitz and Ward's lives because no one really understood that there wasn't going to be an extraction or whatever. She also does spend a minute looking for her parents before she looks to save her teammates' lives. So she's still kind of a wild card. You're a wild card, Sky. <laughs> I really like the idea of Sky being a double agent, and I am. I agree with Bibbs on that. That I wish they had elongated that a little or prolonged that storyline a little bit more. I think that would have been really fun to not be able to trust her. So now this whole like sad puppy, I don't have a family thing is kind of yeah. Like it was kind of cool that she was actually willing to take a few seconds to look up her parents, but I've, at no point did I think, even for a fraction of a second, that she wasn't going to give up on it and then help. Fitz and Ward, like it, it, mm -hmm. it was obvious, and there, like, and that's the thing with this episode. Like, and this episode again, it trucked along. It went, it didn't spend all of its time in the same situation. Like, it went from different set piece to different set piece. We didn't even talk about Ward and Fitz in the field. I thought they were really fun together, but a lot of it was really predictable. Like, mm -hmm. it was really obvious right from the beginning that Sky is going to have a problem with this whole classified thing and find out something that Coulson didn't want her to know and then that Coulson didn't know and then he'd have to go renegade and that everyone would go, that's our Coulson, and then we'd move <laughs> on. It's a formula, but the characters are fun and the show is expanding more, so I still enjoyed it. But it just, it, it hit all very familiar beats for me. I thought they played with enough of the tropes that it kind of got interesting where I think it wouldn't be interested in other formats. 
because I was assuming that Fitz was going to go on this mission, be a bumbling idiot, come up big, you know, in the one in the one area where they need him with something technical. And then that was going to be it. But Fitz proved to be pretty competent and in some ways even more beneficial than Ward. Once you take that thing apart and I set off the remote beacon, we're on our own. You should go. I'm not leaving. It's, there's no time you to argue. You think I can handle this? No, I am trying to protect uh, you. You think I'm a coward. Is that it? What? No. I am every bit the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that you are. Oh. oh. You don't have anything to prove. What you said about me always needing to swoop in, I know you would have jumped out of the plane to save Simmons. And she knows that too. I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. Okay, before we left, you're not the only one that Colson talked to, okay? He told me to take care of you too. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Those things don't normally happen when you have these buddy partnerships in the field like they gain they they gain the trust and respect each other because they are so proficient at what it is they do but you know war was almost useless for a good 40 minutes of this show and that is a different spin on that well you know i think they realize that fits is their projected target demographic like, it's the people who see themselves as fits. Like, I know I'm socially awkward. I know my obsessions aren't necessarily popular. But if push came to shove, I'd be the badass. And, like, that big <laughs> jock who beat me up in high school, he'd have to go, yeah, you were right, guy in Oregon who only watches S.H.I.E.L.D. or, or whoever they think we are. I don't know why I picked Oregon. But, like, I think I, it's fan service. But the only thing is Ward still threw away his sandwich, which – is I don't think would happen if I was doing my own fan fiction about how cool a guy <laughs> my bully no would. No sandwich left behind. You, if, you know, the dogs wouldn't have smelled the sandwich if you just eaten the sandwich. Like, that's what I don't get. <laughs> I thought he was going to whip out that sandwich and Ward would be like, oh, thank God you brought a sandwich. Right. I'm so hungry. And it sounded like a delicious sandwich. Oh, that part of the episode made me so hungry. Oh, I know. And I assumed that Ward was going to have to give it up like, man, you thought of everything. He was like, man, if you don't throw that fucking sandwich out of here. There is some restaurant <laughs> in L.A. that has already changed their menu to include the fits. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to know which one it is. And I want to eat there. <laughs> I was just as upset that he did not get to eat that sandwich as Fitz was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, th- their interactions in the field really made the episode for me. Uh, there was just so much fun. Everything with Fitz having to, uh, you know, fix uh, the electrical stuff so they can bring the game back on. And then you realize, oh, he actually caused the adage to begin with. I, I just I thought that was all really, really, really great. Also, uh, um, another thing they kind of played with us with the Simmons seduction that goes wrong and she has to light gun the dude. Like, okay, yes. felt like in another show that would have, you know, been, it would have been like funny, but, but like kind of cool to see her like switch into a seductress mode and, you know, yeah. this guy get faked out. And instead it's like, this isn't working. Shoot him. What did you do today? I shot a superior officer in the chest. Yeah, that was a great line. I, I, I thought that that moment, Works really well, and everything with Sky trying to hack into the system. I thought that that was all a lot of fun, but I kept wondering in the back of my mind: Does the hub not have security cameras in their in their hallways? Like, did no one? How come no one saw that and immediately came running? Right. Yeah, it seems like Shield security is a little bit lax. 
All right. Is there is there anything else that any of you would like to talk about regarding uh, this episode or the show as a whole? Uh, I like that they made fun of the some of the tropiness of the stuff. Like when they brought up that it was called the overkill mm-hmm. weapon and they kind of like overkill, isn't that? Isn't that overkill? Yeah. <laughs> like I kind of like when they do stuff like that, because going back to Arrow, I believe um, was brought up earlier. Arrow did a lot of stuff like that, too, where it was like in the beginning where it was like, OK, yeah, this is a little crazy that you kill motherfuckers and you just got back and you're acting weird. And a lot of people in the beginning of Arrow took that as like, oh, David Amell can't act. His sister's annoying as if like the writers didn't know. And those later became big staples of the show where it's like, yes, he's aloof and she's annoying on purpose. I miss her schoolgirl outfit personally. But I think you do stuff on purpose is is I, I give it more credit than when it's like, oh, this show was ambiguously aloof and they didn't realize how fucking terrible this appeared to be on screen. Something I've been saying since the show launched is that I don't think Joss Whedon is as good at casting as as some people, but then he's really good at taking like actors with sort of a limited range and writing to that range and making them seem fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think Sarah Michelle Gellar is a particularly great actress. I think she's like very good within her narrow range, and I think Whedon absolutely nailed what that range was and found like every note in it. I think he I think they're starting to do that here. And another problem with with Whedon shows, I think, is that like Whedon speak is a lot harder for actors to key into than like Aaron Sorkin or Shonda mm-hmm. Rhimes or some other TV writer who has a very distinctive pattern because on the page, it doesn't look like it has rhythm really like, because it's a lot of short bursts of lines. Um, but then like when you hear it, it does have rhythm. And like in the first few episodes, I could hear like the actor sort of struggling to get into that rhythm. And in this, these last two have really felt like, they have an idea of how those lines are supposed to bounce off of each other and everything has a more natural feel to it. And I realize that Joss Whedon is not doing a lot of the writing on this show, but he, you know, he does have some of his, his most loyal and, and trained lieutenants working on it. So obviously it's going to be heavily influenced by what he's done in the past. I definitely agree with that. Cause I think that's what, that's been why like last week's episode and this week's episode, I think are starting to do better because they had that break. They were able to kind of reevaluate their, their cast. And I think it's really true that, the whole Whedon verse, they really do write for their actors, not making their actors come to the writing. Mm-hmm. I'll say I think Ward is, is Ward started off as the most boring character in history. And uh, I'm starting <laughs> to, he's starting to endear himself. I think he's actually, I, as of this episode, I think more than any other, it's not just that he's starting to get like better dialogue or, or better interactions. I just, I start to feel like even when we found out stuff about Ward, it was such stereotypical do-gooder crap. Like I just, I feel so bad when I can't protect people. Like that's what you're <laughs> sensitive about. You know, my brother beat me up. Really? And it, we haven't learned anything new about him, but there's something a lot more natural about him. He doesn't feel like a James Bond character who's, like, stuck in a cheaper, lamer movie uh, than he's used to. His brother beating him up was a big reveal, though, I gotta say. Oh, no, that blew my fucking mind. <laughs> I was like, what? Siblings aren't nice to each other. Like, that's what Fitz is supposed to say. Not not this dude. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I still think that Ward is by far the weakest character on the show, but I, I do feel like Brett Dalton has started to come into his own, and, and you're right, Todd, I really do think that they're, they're, the writers are starting to understand the beats that their actors can hit, and they're writing to that. Well, um, also, they are writing the characters so differently now because 
they're trying to make a big distinction between who goes in the field and who stays in the lab. So even in this episode, there's a very like comical note with Fitz and Simmons as like unintentional comedy and all this stuff. And then May and uh, Ward kind of play the straight face person that is like always, won't you just shut up and get the mission accomplished? (laughs) And I hope they don't do that too much because it will weaken the character in general if that's all they become is the people who tell everyone to shut up and be serious. I also like want to say that one of my disappointments with the show that still exists is I think they're honestly not doing enough with the universe they're set in. Like, I feel like there could be crazier superpowers. And, like, I think, like, Squirrel Girl should just drop by <laughs> for an episode or something. Thank you. I think of, like, a superhero show that I think was really terrific when it was on its game, and that's um, Misfits. Oh, right. They did so much cool stuff with, like, different characters with interesting superpowers and, like, superpowers they could do on a budget or superpowers that were, you know, not what you'd normally see on TV. And I feel like this show, you know, occasionally they'll, like, meet a guy who can shoot fire out of his hands and whatever. That That's, that's kind of cool. But I feel like this show could be doing so much, so much crazier stuff because when I read, like, comics mm-hmm. – uh, which admittedly I don't do enough of. Um, like the moments that really get to me are the ones where they just like realize the full potential of you know being able to think of anything that can happen. And obviously you can't do that on TV, but I, I think that there is a way to do that within a lower budget, as Misfits proved, and as another show on on Sci-Fi, as as Alpha's proved, and the first season of Heroes proved. Yeah, and as the second season of Heroes disproved. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I hear you, man. I would like to see them do more with powers. We were discussing on the show, uh, would they ever really have mutants or magic or like that on the show? And um, I don't know, man. Hopefully we will get to see some of that. I don't know that they'll call it those things, but uh, I thought the fire episode was good only in that regard was that we did get to see like, okay, so there's mutant-ish people in this in this world so, you know, hopefully in the future we get to see some of that stuff. They they have had people with powers, whether it's uh, yeah. J. Augustus Richards or whatever, J. August Richards, whatever you say, whether it was his powers in the beginning or uh, even the super secret agent with a robot eye. Like, yeah, there's a lot of potential here, and uh, I do think they're going to be able to set some stuff up. I think when uh, they first announced this, I thought that those people were going to make up the agents in shield and it's clearly not going to be that way i think uh that they should just say the word mutant and just bleep it out every time with like the 20th century fox logo (laughs) over people's mouths that'd be cute i I still think when it regards to the superpowers you know i I think we all expected this to be kind of a super villain of the week kind of show when they first announced it and i think i don't know if it's wise or not but it seems to me that they're really hesitant to do that because they don't want to have to do that forever Right. You know, they, they want to be able to do a straight up secret agent show once in a while or a show where it's more of, you know, an investigative mystery once in a while. And if every episode we're expecting another supervillain and we'll get pissed if they don't have one, that really ties their hands behind their back. So I think they're trying to establish that pattern now. But it, um, again, it would be nice. Yeah, it would be really, really nice if the supervillains we had had would have been a little bit more creative. And these characters need to stand on their own at some point. And yeah feel like this is where it happens like Uh it'll be painful there'll be some growing pains it'll be it'll seem slower than it has to be some weeks and all that stuff but if you don't do this foundation now it is going to be too late to try to do this kind of shit in season two like let's go back and flesh out what kind of person ward is like that shit needs (laughs) to happen now or else when you play with these guys later 
it'll just be meaningless because you never established what kind of person they were in the first place. I think uh, I think though that like a super villain of the the week show, which I also assumed it would be like I think that that may be like too limiting. Like there are a lot of different kinds of stories you can tell with superheroes in them, and I, I guess. I think in my ideal version of the show, it would almost be like an, an anthology with these recurring characters throughout the Marvel Universe where they're dropping in on different kinds of superhero or, or mm. comic book style stories instead of it just sort of feeling like when I was – I'm willing to go along with a show set in the Marvel Universe, but I don't necessarily need it to be like like your standard CBS procedural yeah. most weeks, which is which is kind of what it's been. I'm not really curious about like how people solve mysteries in the Marvel universe. I'm curious about like crazier shit. Right. This, how people solve mysteries is, I mean, I think what they're playing at is what are these people, what are people who have very familiar jobs? What do they have to do in a universe that has people with superpowers in it? But the problem is we're still stuck with people who have very familiar TV centric. We could see this group in any, in, in a more realistic universe and it'd be a really boring ass show. It's like the PG rated the unit, you know, like I'm not sure that's really a big sell. Also, I mean, that kind of is what S.H.I.E.L.D. does, though. Yeah, but, like, yeah. They, they didn't have to do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., did they? They could have done anything. S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of the cops of this universe, and they've been established that way throughout the movies, too. So, like, at times, it's going to have to be a procedural kind of what happens around the spectacular Marvel movie events uh, in the background which, you know, could kill the show just because as an idea, even in the comic books, it's not that great of an idea, you know? Mm -hmm. Here's an idea. Ward becomes the sentry. I don't know what this... What's the sentry? You'll have to explain that to us non-comic people. Oh, uh, that's what Wikipedia is for. <laughs> I've been waiting for a while, you know, to figure out, like, I, I anticipate at some point, maybe in this season, maybe in next or whatever, one of the main characters will end up with superpowers. I think that's just a plot that's just too juicy for them not to deal with. But, uh, yeah, the Sentry, as Kate Cornell just said in the chat room, he's Marvel Superman, but the, the, the gag is he's basically Superman, he's got all Superman powers, but he's also his own worst enemy. Like, every time he saves someone, he has, like, another personality that comes out, is a supervillain, and then kills someone else in order to, like, sort of balance it out. Oh. Uh, and what I'm saying is, maybe he stole his own cake. <laughs> and that this brother of his wow. is going to be the villain, this cake-stealing villain. <laughs> oh, my God. A cake-stealing villain. They're going to do the hostess pie, like, subplot. I mean, it makes sense, because we've already seen da we've already seen damages done to sandwiches. Right! <laughs> oh my god, we just cracked the show. Well, speaking of um, just the whole procedural element and stuff, the last thing I'll say is that uh, a few weeks ago, back when the show first began, Bibbs, you said that you thought Daredevil would be perfect for TV, and it looks like mm -hmm. we're going to be getting that. So, yes. congratulations on predicting that. I'm very, very, very excited about that, yes. And uh, supposedly Drew Goddard is going to be writing it. He's brilliant. Oh. That's the whisper heard Mustafa right now. I don't know if it's official. I do know the offer has been apparently made. So, fucking badass. Yes. Thank you. It's coming to Netflix, right? That's coming to Netflix, so that yeah. could be anything. I, I doubt they go hard R with it, but like they're not going to have the same restrictions that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has, I think. Mm. And that means we might get it all at once. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one episode podcast about the new Daredevil TV series. <laughs> all right. Well, we've been talking about this episode for over an hour, so we should probably wrap things up. Rod, do we have any questions in the chat room? We do have questions in the chat room. What? Peter says, do you think Agent Hand knew Coulson was going to attempt to save Fitz and Ward? Uh, at the end, yeah. 
I will say she appeared to want us to think she knew the whole time because she gave that smile when the guy goes, mm. oh, there goes Coulson being Coulson again. And she was like, yeah, smile. And then like kind of walked off and yeah. no one got in trouble. So I'm assuming mm. she figured that he would extract his people because that's what he does. My theory is this was a test for whatever Coulson is, the Coulson bot, let's say. Like, this is a test to see how good his programming was. Oh, that's an interesting theory. So this whole episode, this whole plot was just a, was just designed for him. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, they also wanted to accomplish that mission, but then they wanted to see what would happen when there was no extraction set up. And, like, sort of prod the team and see where the weaknesses were and how loyal Sky was, etc. Oh, so maybe S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't the bad guy. Maybe they're just trying to make their team the best it can be. Or there are elements of Shield that are that are still relatively right. good, but I do think Shield's going to be the bad guy ultimately. I hope so. Uh, any other questions? Yes. Where did she get her hair done? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have another one. Do you think Sitwell is holding any grudges against Simmons? Uh, no. no, I think he still thinks she's hot. I, I think he's going to come back with a bouquet of roses and she's going to be like, oh, how try. Then it turns out they're like cyber roses and she's all like impressed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think he's going to I would like to see him be a legitimate contender for Simmons's heart. That is the thing about getting tased by a hot chick. Mm-hmm. Well, they did mention in the episode that he had to like go to the hospital or something, mm-hmm. go to the medical center. And then later he pops up at the end and he looks totally fine. So I guess he just brushed it off like it was no big deal. Simmons, the first time I met you, my heart stopped. <laughs> Although his question was, is Colson going to get in trouble? So maybe he is mad. Maybe so. He showed up just to be like, really? Well, he was Colson's best friend before. If, or at least as far as we know, in all the Marvel one-shots, it was those two guys. Night-night it. Then he was like, fuck Coulson. <laughs> it wasn't Coulson, it was Simmons, and she's cute. Okay, what do we got here? Peter says, will we see Hammer by the end of the season leading to the Captain America movie? I do not think the rapper from Oakland is going to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Hammer, wasn't he the guy in Iron Man 2? No. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, that was. that was. But a Hammer is a division of S.H.I.E.L.D. Civil S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. I feel like every week you guys bring up an organization and then we ask who it is and you're like, oh, it's the evil S.H.I.E.L.D. How many evil S.H.I.E.L.D.s <laughs> are there? A lot. Hammer literally was like founded to be S.H.I.E.L.D. It was founded by, I think, General Ross who's like um, the guy who's always trying to capture uh, Bruce Banner. He went and got, um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on her name right now? I just freaking said it. Victoria Hand? Yeah, yeah. He went and got Victoria Hand to join his organization because she got like kicked out of S.H.I.E.L.D. because she was asking way too many questions. And Fury was like, oh, word, go be a fucking agent in Alaska. And she was like, oh, word. And, and uh, <laughs> General Ross found out she was upset and was like, you could be a good person to, you know, head up my group. And she was only like an accountant at S.H.I.E.L.D., by the way, when she got in trouble. Um, but he made her like the head, one of the heads of Hammer. And uh, they, and like I said, they kind of like work against S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah. so that's why the guy asked, "Would we? since we saw Victoria Hand, does this mean we would see Hammer? I'm going to go on a limb and say probably not yet. Uh, I'm also going to reveal that in all of my research, they've never, apparently they've never revealed what the acronym HAMMER stands for. But her job, they never even bothered. job is to come up with the acronym. <laughs> <laughs> they hired her and they were like, it's called HAMMER. Come up with what that means. 
<laughs> which if you think about it on a very meta la- level, that is the laziest writing <laughs> that has ever been done. You know, we may not see Hammer, but we I would definitely not rule out the entire cast uh, just doing like an episode-long dance to Too Legit to Quit. <laughs> that would be awesome. Best episode ever. There, there, listen, there are certain episodes that if your series goes on long enough, they're going to happen. Uh, you're going to get the musical episode. You're going to get the found footage episode. You're going to get the episode where Ward's mom visits, and we found out that Ward has been writing her, saying that he's been in charge of the team the whole time. So Colson's going to have to pretend that he's in charge, and it's going to get really awkward. And then in the end, Mom's going to say, I love you no matter what, and I always knew. So we're going to get these. It's all going to be in a snow globe. The only bad thing I have to say about this episode is that we didn't get any Ward Sky time. That was a little bad. You're the only person that wants that to happen, Rod. No. Yeah. What? I'm the only one? Are we sure about this? No one else? Todd, are you on my Sky and Ward need to get together? <laughs> I would not say no Thank to Sky and Ward. This out. is why you can come back, Todd. <laughs> wow. Any other I questions? loved the little look that fits throughout Sky, though. I thought that was sweet. Oh, yeah. That too. It was very. I'm, on, I'm shipping Fitz and Sky. Oh, no. Over Fitz and Simmons? Fitz Simmons all the way. Because yeah. Fitz and Simmons are too much alike. They're like the same person. Simmons and May. <laughs> well, there you go. That would be awesome. I'm shipping Colson and his disembodied brain. <laughs> he puts wax lips on it. I want Fitz and Sky to kiss and it to be just like Cordelia and Wesley kissing for the first time. Yeah, that would actually be really great. That's a deep cut. <laughs> I think that Colson should fall in love with one of his clones. <laughs> the cellist comes back. I think oh, season yeah. two begins with like May waking up with like five naked Colson clones. <laughs> but here's the thing looking completely dead inside as usual, just like. Yep, another Thursday, you know, just... <laughs> See, the good thing is that we like the chemistry of all the characters, because we all want them yeah, to... Yeah, like, literally anyone could fuck on the show, and it would be fine. Yeah, yeah. we'd be, like, down, yeah. I'm down with it. Yeah. All right, do we have any other questions? That's it, man. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Uh, write in and let us know what you thought of this episode and what you think of the podcast. Uh, you can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also leave us a voicemail through the website or you can call us at 336-793-2509. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us through Stitcher and iTunes. Um, please write us a review. That really uh, helps us out a lot in terms of uh, getting the word out about the show and attracting new listeners. And if you would like to financially support us, you can can donate to us by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking on the donate button. That uh, money goes to help us pay for hosting and bandwidth and covering all the other costs that come with producing the show. Uh, you can also use our affiliates page to visit some of our partners, including Amazon. And anything you purchase from our affiliates, uh, if you use our sites to get there, we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something for yourself and uh, help us out at the same time. And be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, uh, and our new podcast, All About the Third season of Homeland, uh, The Briefing Room. Todd, it's been really great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Where can people find more of your work online? Uh, Hey, I had a great time as well. Uh, You can find my writing at avclub.com, and uh, also I talk way too much at twitter.com slash tvoti. Uh, That's the initials of my podcast, TV on the Internet, which can be found at tvoti.net. And I I like the way you podcast, Todd, because sometimes it's like you have a set plan to show up and podcast, and and then other times it seems like you do it off the cuff and you'll just like podcast from your car. Yeah, we we, we tend to do a lot of podcasts from our car now, which (laughs) which is 
I don't know how that happened, but yeah, we enjoy doing it. And now you're also writing uh, a novel this month, right? You're participating in uh, NaNoWriMo. I am. I'm, do- I'm doing it for work, and, and technically it's a collection of short stories, but I've been assured it's fine. So yeah, I- I'm having fun with that. It's been, uh, it's been kind of a trip. I've been reading your updates on Twitter, and I'm, I'm rooting for you. Thank you so much. Agent Bibbs, where can people find more of your work? Uh, yeah, well, I am uh, I'm the Film Channel Editor at Crave Online. You can see all of my reviews and interviews and various musings in the Film Channel at uh, Crave Online. I am also the co-host of the B-Movies podcast, uh, which you can subscribe to on iTunes, and I really wish you would. And uh, I'm also on 980 AM radio in Los Angeles, uh, Fridays at 9.45 AM. Missed a few episodes of that lately because of the stupid Hunger Games junket, but so be it. Agent Rod Morrow, where can people find you on? Oh, Twitter! Twitter! William Bibiani! I'm on Twitter at William Bibiani. So. Oh, yeah, don't forget that. Uh, you can find me at, uh, well, don't forget, Twitter is William Bibiani. Guys. Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that. Um, you can find me at theblackoutist.com, um, where I host my podcast with my wife five times a week, and the motto of the show is nothing's wrong if it's funny. You can also find me on Twitter at Rodimus Prime or uh, Rod Live Tweets, where I watch my shows and I tweet some. Um, and uh, you can also find me on uh, MovieTrailerReviews.com. I, re- I review stuff there every once in a while. And I uh, appreciate everybody that comes and checks us out. AJ Gwen Reyes, where can people find you? Follow William on at William Bibiani <laughs> at Twitter. <laughs> First and foremost. And you can see me at realvixen.com. I've been on the Fifty Shades of Grey beat and Tom Hiddleston last week, so I'm just kind of excited about that nonsense. Um, and then Real- Red Carpet Crash and uh, Twitter forward slash realvixen. I'm managing editor at moviemezzanine.com, and you can find some of my TV writing at pathios.com. Uh, you can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix every week uh, and The Briefing Room, where we talk about Homeland. Uh, Rod, you came on recently and we had a really heated debate about Thor The Dark World. Uh, so if you're into Marvel and their movies, definitely check that out. Sure, a lot of people are surprised that we're both on the show today. I know, I know. But see, that's the great thing about us, Rod, is that we can uh, we can have passionate debates and still remain friends. Exactly. Oh, hugs. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew, and I hope that you'll do so so we can continue the conversation about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, that'll wrap it up for this episode, Agents Disassemble. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!